I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your Eurovision podcast, bringing you the very latest news, a unique insight into an ESC country and a big name guest from the contest's long and illustrious history. And this week, we have got none other than a Eurovision winner. We certainly do. So let's get to it. This is the Eurotrip. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy. What I say? What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to your favourite Eurovision podcast, where the Eurotrip with me, James, me, Rob, and this week, none other than a Eurovision winner. We are joined by Dave Benden. That's right. I am so excited for you to hear this interview. He was, of course, the winner, along with Tanel Padar and 2XL of Eurovision 2001, when it was held in Copenhagen. The biggest Eurovision we have ever seen, over 35 thousand spectators in the arena which is something that Dave goes on to talk about and James the first winner we've managed to get on the podcast who'd have thought it our little old Eurovision podcast has finally managed to persuade a Eurovision winner to come and join us I never thought this would happen what 10 weeks ago when we first started this yeah he has some incredible stories that you will hear obviously in a little bit including his time as a performer on the ferries between actually he mentions your own city there of newcastle he said he met his wife on a ferry between i think it was sweden or denmark and newcastle but he also talks about how he almost turned down what became 
a Eurovision winner. I said, hey, do you think this is going to win? He said, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, we're just starting this. I said, no, then you have to find somebody else. So there's plenty more to hear from Dave later on in the show. He's got so many fantastic stories about growing up in the Caribbean, about coming to live in Europe. It is honestly a fantastic interview, really, really worth staying for. Uh, but as usual, we've got some fun stuff. We've got some news as well to keep you updated with. And hopefully um, some more of Rob's wonderful impressions that he gave us from last week as well. Hello there. Yes, um, more of that to come. If you're lucky, Terry Wogan will make an appearance a little bit later on. Uh, you're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is The Euro Trip. This is The Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So that's right, you are listening to The Euro Trip. Plenty still to come, of course, Dave Benton. The big interview with Dave Benton, really, really looking forward to hearing that. He's got so many amazing stories about growing up and somehow ending up at the contest and then winning it in the end. Um, but first of all, it is, it's about time that we, we check in with, uh, with our new regular co-host. Of course, it's me, it's Rob and uh, Mr. Mouse. Are you, are you back this week? Now, there's a silence there, James, because Mr. Mouse is gone. I'm devastated to say that Mr. Mouse is... I think no more. We won't go into the details, obviously, because that's not what the listeners want when they listen to this podcast. But uh, I've not seen the little fella for a little while. And there was a man that came around last week whose job was solely to get rid of the little fella. Uh, So the fact we've not seen him since, I don't think it's a coincidence, James, anyway. So he has been, as they would put it, been dealt with. Been dealt with. Oh, blimey. I think we need to move on. Uh, as we usually do, we start the show with the news in 90. We give you a bite-sized update about all the news that has been happening in the last seven days. And to do that, we need somebody who's got their finger on the pulse of all the news in the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we are joined by Anthony Granger from com. Anthony, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I don't think I was expecting to come in after the story of poor Mr. Mouse, who I had been wondering what had happened to. Um, I'm now a little bit sad. That, that was quite the segue. So before we start, give us a little bit of a tease. Do you reckon you're going to be able to fill the 90 seconds this week? Because the last two weeks, uh, our previous guests haven't quite managed that, uh, that feat. I, I think I can fill the 90 seconds. I'll, uh, I, I don't know whether I'll do my normal panic of I don't know how long 90 seconds is and I'll try and start talking really quickly um, and get halfway through a story and one of you will just tell me to stop and then I'll feel a little bit deflated. But I'll give it a go again. And I think I can fill the 90 seconds. That is very much my favourite part of this whole segment when whoever it is delivering the news just gets very, very quick at the end and then we don't really know what they're talking about. My favourite part. (laughs) Just the panic in their voice. That's my favourite bit. So then, Anthony, if you are ready. Yep. Wonderful. In that case, your time starts in three, two, one, go. So Malta has selected Chanel Monsieur um, to represent them at the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. She'll be performing the song Chasing Sunsets and has a fantastic surname. Um, she beat off competition from 11 other acts to win the selection, which was determined by 50% online vote and 50% jury vote. Ukraine has revamped its Junior Eurovision entry. I'm not going to try the Ukrainian title. We'll go with Open as the song title. Backing track has been reworked and the production value has been increased. Um, he's currently filming his music video in Kiev. 
In Slovenia, a record 191 songs were submitted into EMA. The selection will determine the song that Anna Sotrich will be performing in Rotterdam. Italy, over the course of the weekend, confirmed its participation for 2021. They've still not said how they're going to be selecting their participants next year. In Moldova, Natalia Gordienko has finished off recording her song for next year's contest. She travelled to Moscow and Russia to record the song with the Dream Team and she wrapped it all up at the end of last week. In other Dream Team news, Stefania, who is representing uh, Greece, is in Athens at the minute to record five potential songs for the competition. It's not known whether the broadcaster is going to hold a televised selection or internally select her song. Uh, The start of this week has seen uh, the local music industry in Montenegro call for the broadcaster's return. Um, The call came after the broadcaster withdrew following the 29 contents so that it could purchase some new cars. There's a bit of debate about whether or not they're actually going to come back. I've now run out of things to read. uh, And you've now run out of time. Almost bang on. Almost bang on. You have now run out of time. So So close. I don't know about you. But there is so much to talk about there, James, that I'm just going to do your favourite phrase of throwing a dart and picking something. And I want to go with Montenegro. You're in Montenegro in red. The listeners can't hear this, but you're in a lovely uh, red hoodie. I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to talk Montenegro? Or do you want to talk about something else? I don't know what I want to talk about really. Since you've suggested Montenegro, yeah, we'll uh, we'll pick with that. Um, Although it is worth reminding us, Anthony, what is the name, uh, or at least the surname, of the Maltese junior entry this year? Because it sounds quite uh, quite good. Monsignor. It's a good one. And also, while we're on the topic of uh, interesting stories, um, the Moldovan entry for next year has been working with none other than um, Philip Kirkerov, I believe. He's undergone a bit of a transformation, hasn't he? You've, have you all seen that photograph online? It very much looks like he's gone on the gap here. And just someone's gone. You need to change your entire look. I suggest dreadlocks and the loudest shirt combination you have ever seen. Uh, to Montenegro, though. Actually, James, you can have the first question, seeing as you are practically best mates with son of Montenegro, Rambo Amadeus. Oh, of course. I was wondering where you were actually going to go with that. Um, so, Anthony, uh, you mentioned there that Montenegro are toying with the idea of coming back the uh, the withdrew for the the 2020 contest um of course nobody actually took part in the end uh, is it going to be a good idea for for montenegro to come back is it going to be good for the audience if they do i think the, the big thing is that it's the local music industry that's asking for them to come back and say look we want this stage we want this chance to show us to the, the rest of europe their comment was actually triggered by um a member of the the program council that looks after the broadcaster um saying that um they'd already decided they're not coming back next year um, so that no one's going to be disappointed by whoever represents Montenegro. They didn't take particularly kindly to it. Um, So, yeah, I I think Montenegro should come back. They're one of those countries that it's a massive chance for them to show themselves on the stage to get their their like three minutes in front of millions of viewers. Um, It's just, I think it'd be nice to have them back. I don't know about you, but I think Montenegro peaked in 2009 I think they didn't make it out of the semi-finals, which I thought was an absolute travesty, but oh, what was her name? Can't think of a name, but Just Get Out of My Life, I think was the name of the song. That was an absolute 2009 anthem. It was great. Looking at the blank expression on both your faces, you have no recollection of that song whatsoever. (laughs) 
I, I vaguely remember it. I also think it's a it's one of Ralph Siegel's songs, which might have something to do with how diabolically awful it is. <laughs> Ralph, if we ever get you on for the big guest, that was Anthony that said that, <laughs> not me or James. Anthony, while we've got you, we can't let you go without talking about the story that you alluded to, which was that uh, Montenegro at one point withdrew because they wanted to buy some cars. Yeah, so they decided last year, instead of paying their participation fee, they would use the money to renew the news fleet's cars and buy three new estates. Um, so I think that was a great investment, seeing that contest never took place. So before we let Anthony go, there is one last thing for us to do. Of course, that is to hear, for the first time, this week's One Second Song. We will play it again later in the show, and Rob will have an attempt to have a guess at what it is. But for Anthony and for you at home, for the first time, here is this week's One Second Song. So there it is. Um, nothing we've really heard before in the One Second Song. And by the look on your face, Anthony, the way you have got your hand right over your mouth and looking way up into the distance, it doesn't look like you've got any idea what it is. That is the hardest clip I think you've played so far because there is literally nothing to go on. I can have a stab at it, but I'm I'm not convinced this time round I get the full four out of four. We will remind uh, our listeners later on what Anthony suggests. He'll um, send it to a message um, to me later on and we'll tell you what it what he has guessed. Um, but of course, there are four points available. The song, the artist, the year it took part and the country it represented. Anthony, what do you think you're going to get out of four? Two, maybe. At a push. Well, we'll we'll soon find out. He doesn't sound very confident on anything. What he is confident about is all the news you will be able to get over the coming weeks and months as Junior Eurovision and then Eurovision 2021 rolls around. Anthony, where can people go to find all of the latest news? You can find all of the latest news at com. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, all the normal places. Twitter as well, that I've just remembered. Um, but yeah, follow it there. I'm Dave Benton, winner of the Eurovision 2001 for Estonia. You're listening to the Eurotrip. So you heard Anthony there from Eurovoir. This is the Eurotrip, a podcast brought to you by Eurovoir, everyone's favourite Eurovision news site. And we are delighted this week to welcome our biggest guest yet. We call our feature every week the big guest. We have spoken to some incredible people from the back catalogue of the Eurovision Song Contest over the last few weeks. But this week, I am so excited to say we have a winner on the podcast. You heard us mention earlier on, it is Dave Benton. Now, in 2001, he won Eurovision on the 12th of May in the Parkin Stadium in Copenhagen alongside Tanel Padar and 2XL for Estonia. James, we're going to hear from Dave in a second, but you've just said to me before we press record, this song has been in your head all day. It's such a catchy song, Rob, isn't it? I mean, has it aged well? Probably not, but, you know, it's still gone down in history books as a winner of the Eurovision Song Contest. It is a very 2001 song. It's probably not rude to say that, um, but, you know, it, um, it wiped the floor with the competition. It uh, collected votes from every other country bar one and it's outright a Eurovision winner and I'm so pleased to be able to welcome Dave on the podcast this week because like you say we've had so many big guests so far on the podcast some names you've probably never heard of some names that you probably have and are well known to you but to have a Eurovision winner I'm really really pleased to welcome him on this week 
That's right, 198 points, by the way. Tan Alpadar, Dave Benson and Chuxel got with their song Everybody in 2001. And nearly getting 200 points was a big deal back in uh, the early 2000s. A history-making song as well. This was, of course, the first time that one of the Baltic states had won Eurovision. I'm going to talk to Dave later on as we enter Black History Month about what it was like to become the first black person to win Eurovision. But Dave was born and raised in Aruba. So I asked and began our conversation by asking, how do you find out about Eurovision when you're growing up on a tiny Caribbean island? I've been following the Eurovision from my 16th age. So on Aruba, growing on the island, I mean, of course, you don't have television and and, and those uh, uh, broadcasters for you to know about it. But we were getting, because we are, we are a, a, a Dutch colony, we were getting every week this uh, Music Express magazine. And it's all about music, about all European artists and all that. And the other one was the Panorama, also another magazine. So I was following those magazines all the times because you get the stories and you get lyrics at the end of the magazine. So any song, new songs you want to learn, the lyrics are there. You know, so I've been following the Eurovision all the time. So you're following the Eurovision and when you want to know who wins it, then you have to wait for the polygram news. And the polygram news comes every week uh, before each and every movie that you want to see in the cinema. So you have to find the way to get your wages to go to the cinema and for you to for you to see and hear the polygram news you know and 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 then you know who who won it and whatever so i, I was following it basically all all my life can you fill in the blanks for us so how do you go from growing up in aruba to representing estonia at eurovision how does that happen um uh, you, you, you grow up on an island, your, your chances of becoming an international artist are limited. What we, we, we had, when, when I left the island, uh, our biggest income was the tourism. So, so, so we, have, we had this big high-rise hotels, which were bringing in all these Las Vegas artists. And, and that's where I got in to, to become a, 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 an artist, to, to become a show artist and project myself further. So, but if I wanted to get further, uh, uh, I, I, have to, I have to leave the island. So my biggest chances are going to Europe because the island is European, it, it's Dutch. So. I was focusing on, on, on Germany, but I'm going to Holland first because that's easy. I'm going to Holland. And from Holland, to, to make the short story short, because I, I just finished writing a book so I can tell it's a long story. Your um, working guidance 
are leading you to to um, to Scandinavia. We're talking between um, 1985 to 1992, uh, 1994. Um, By 1994, um, I, I got a pretty lucrative um, contract to, to perform on the on the ships between Finland and, and, and Sweden and uh, Sweden and Germany and Norway and Germany. And that's where I went, I met my, my, um, my boss of today, my wife. <laughs> and, um, and I moved to Estonia to be with her. Uh, I moved to Estonia to, to, to start all over again and, and to have a life here. And that was 23 years ago. That I thought for one second that hey, I'm going to move to Estonia to win the Eurovision for no, 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 no. Can't think of something like that. Uh, you can only uh, you can only dream about it. I mean, I, I remember sitting with my with my wife uh, one year before watching the Eurovision on one of these ships between uh, um, between Denmark and, and Newcastle. You know, I was sitting there and we were watching it. I mean, it never crossed my mind. Hey, man, hey, hello, wake up. Next year is going to be you. The producer of the song, um, who was already working with me, because he, he was making my um, my backing, my music backings for me. So uh, he had a song and, and, and he called me with the story of, listen, I have this song. We have the, the lyrics of everything with it. A couple of people tried it, but they can't sing it. It never comes out like we planned it. So would you please come and listen to it? And if it suits you, I would like you to, to perform it. So I went over and actually, and actually I asked him, I said, hey, uh, do you think this is going to win in Denmark? He said, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, we're just starting this. I said, no, then you have to find somebody else. If you don't believe the song is going to win. If you believe the song is going to win, then call me back. How did they manage to persuade you? Uh, he called me back and he said to me, okay, Dave, I believe the song is going to win. I said, okay, then we have a winning song. So let's work on it. Dave Brendan there. We'll be hearing more from him later on in the show, so stay tuned. But so many fantastic headlines just from those five or six minutes or so. Uh, you know, he had to wait so long when he was growing up in Aruba just to find out who was winning the Eurovision Song Contest. If you think about it now, you know, we've got the songs at the, you know, the touch of our fingertips, and yet he had to wait a week for a magazine to arrive from Europe just to find out who won the thing. And we, we've heard some of the, the winning songs from Eurovision in the 70s, so we would have been very disappointed having waited that long <laughs> to, find out, to find out who'd won, apart from ABBA, obviously. Actually, I'll take it all back. There were some bangers in the 70s. Brotherhood of Man, ABBA, it was all happening in the 70s. Yeah, stop trying to dig yourself out of this hole, Rob. Come on. Uh, 
That's by the way, if we ever get anyone from the seventies on the big on the uh, on the big guest feature. Uh, also, of course, some crazy stuff in there about him moving to Europe because that's how he he wanted to to start his career. That's the only place he could be. And you must have been delighted to hear mention of Newcastle. Honestly, we'll uh, we can put that on the map now, can't we? That Newcastle has uh, an imperative part to play in the history of the Eurovision Song Contest. Who'd have thought it, Rob? Newcastle, little old Newcastle. Yeah quite uh, mm. more from dave still to come we've got all sorts of interesting stuff to talk about as i mentioned earlier on as we are now in black history month i'll ask him what it was like to become the first black winner of eurovision he was also the oldest winner of eurovision and we'll also have a chat about some of his favorite eurovision moments too but now it is time for the european quiz so there's only one man with the questions it's mr sam deakin later this week it is the fiesta nacional de españa Something to do with the National Fiesta of Spain, I can't remember. Here are three questions about Spain. Well, first of all, let's call Sam out and say well done on the pronunciations. Normally we say, what on earth were you talking about there? But this week seems to have nailed it. Um, let's, let's have a look and... Here we go. We've got Spain here. Uh, so Spain debuted, of course, back in 1961. They won in 1968 with the imaginably titled La La La, then a year later with Vio Cantando in 1969. They haven't reached the top 20 of the contest in 10 out of the last 15 years, and they currently have the longest active victory doubt. Will any of that help us? Who knows? Let's head back to Sam for the three questions this week. Question number one. Alasson Castilla Mancha is an 8th century Arab castle captured by the King of Spain in the 12th century. Why would it be impossible to listen to this podcast there? Your second question. In 2013, El Sueno de Morfio represented Spain at Eurovision. Why did it take them nine days to get to the host city from Malmo no, to Malmo from Bilbao. <laughs> and question number three. Madrid is the city of grand architecture. And that includes the Temple of Debod. What is it? So before we heard the questions there, you were talking about Spain's victory drought. Very much sounds like my current record in the one second song. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we heard the three questions there. So a reminder then. Question number one. This is the 8th century Arab castle and us not being able to listen to the podcast there anymore. This harks back to, I think, when we had the the European quiz on Belarus, because we were finding out why we couldn't listen to the podcast on the Belarusian underground. And to be honest, Which, of course, you know very well, the Belarusian underground, Rob. I do, I do. Uh, you're talking to a man of Minsk, as I think they probably call me. <laughs> um, I don't think they do, do they? What was the reason for that? Can you remember? Why can't they, why, why can we listen? Was it classed as dangerous to listen to, on, to something on headphones? I you believe couldn't that listen to anything on headphones. That's why you, no. uh, that's why you get paid the big bucks for this podcast. Uh, I don't know. Uh, why couldn't you listen? I think, straightforward enough, I think because it's a castle, uh, it's got thick walls and therefore you've got no, no signal. That's why you can't listen. Well, it's as good a guess as any. My guess is um, that the castle, given it's so old now, is now underwater. And it would be impossible to wear your headphones under the water anyway. That's your answer to everything when you don't know the answer. It's underwater. (laughs) 
Not everything can be underwater. Actually, that's not true. Your answers are either it's got a big roof or it's underwater. That's what I've learned from you so far. Is that where Mr. Mouse is now, under the water? I don't think we should talk about Mr. Mouse anymore. (laughs) Makes him slightly emotional thinking about him. Uh, Question number two, then. Uh, Why did it take Spain's 2013 entry nine days to get from Bilbao to Malmo? I mean, that sounds like a very short plane ride, you would have thought. So why would it take nine days? Uh, For this one, Rob, I'm afraid I'm going to have to make you go first because I am virtually certain of the correct answer this week. I know we don't say that very often, but I'm actually really, really confident in one of the answers in the European quiz. Now, I was going to say, because I was was just having a little thing there, I was going to say it was because of, do you remember that older Icelandic volcano that nobody could pronounce the name of? Old Hastjupfumf, or whatever it was called. (laughs) I think it was probably that. That was almost Terry Wogan, wasn't it? Old Oh, he's back. He's back, isn't he? <laughs> Hello there. Have you missed me there? It's old Sir Terry back on the podcast. <laughs> he's gone. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's gone. That's that's all you get in this week. Um, why did... Uh, Come on, Rob. Oh, why, why did it take them nine days to get from Bilbao to Malmö? I was just distracted because I was trying to think what Soteri- how Soteri would say Bilbao, which is quite fun. Which is, oh, the old Bilbao there. <laughs> in the spin. Um, it's getting vaguely offensive now. I'll probably stop doing the accent. <laughs> I was going to say Volcano, but I wasn't because I'm pretty sure the Icelandic Volcano was 2010. I'm going to say it was because the Spanish national broadcaster wanted to save money, so they sent her on a boat. Okay. So, if we're going to get down to the details and this is going to be worth a point i'm going to have to come up with something a bit bigger because i'm i'm virtually certain you're right that they travel by boat but i don't think it was to save money i think it was more to save the planet i feel like the the act which rob do you remember uh there was a famous member of that the the act in 2013 i can't say i do i don't remember much of 2013 Uh, i was at university and and drunk most of it so no (laughs) no i don't uh, one member of the uh, the the act for Spain in 2013 was you, Rob. Are a big Formula One fan, as am I. As are as, as are strangely a large number of the the Eurovision fandom. Uh, one of the members of the of the group that Spain sent was Fernando Alonso's ex-wife. I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly, Raquel del Rosario. Remember um, pro- that? Pro- I, weirdly enough, James, as I said, don't remember that. And probably the only time the ex-wife of a Formula One driver has been on the Eurovision stage. If you know any different, though. <laughs> Let us know at your trip podcast. So yeah, we've both said by boat, but I've said it was to save the planet. You said to save money. So maybe one of us will actually get that right. Or one of us will get half a pint. We'll soon see. Uh, but question three this week is uh, is about Madrid being the city of grand architecture. What is the Temple of Debod? Temple of Debod sounds like a nightclub that you'd stumble across <laughs> on holiday, doesn't it? Temple of Debod. What is it? I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it is a strip club in Madrid. That's what it is. I don't know anything about strip clubs. Maybe I'm protesting too much. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say it is. Can you tell us more about your uh, adventures in the uh, in the strip clubs of your university days in 2013? Uh, I can see them. I can see your thoughts going there, Rob. You want to tell us? Well, what me and Mr. Mouse got up to on his final weekend <laughs> on, on planet Earth. That's between me and him. Oh man, I can't imagine it's a strip club. Uh, we've said strip club too many times in the podcast. Uh, I'm going to have to struggle my way to an answer here, aren't I? So I'm going to say it is the largest 
religious place of gatherings in Europe? Okay, time for the answers, and I'm afraid they are all essays in their own this week. First of all, the castle, Castle La Mancha in Alasson. The castle has now been converted into a hotel that is advertised as a digital detox by the hotel owners. So you wouldn't be able to listen to this podcast there because there's no Wi-Fi or signal anywhere near the castle. Question number two was all about El Sueno de Morfeo in 2013. Actually, it had cost Spain 1.9 million euros to take part in Eurovision over the previous four years. So each year, RTV attempt to cut costs. And that year, Paul Manter uh, sponsored the journey that EDSM made to Sweden, giving them a free cruise via Hamburg to get there. So if you said they went by boat, well, you can have that. And uh, question number three was all about the Temple of Debod. And I've actually been to the Temple of Debod. In the 1960s, a dam was constructed in Egypt to redirect the Nile. It was very controversial and very expensive. It destroyed several historical sites and the Temple of Debod was in its path. So, at the request of UNESCO, Spain offered to relocate the entire 2nd century ancient Egyptian temple just beside the Royal Palace of Madrid. So that's your answer. It was an ancient Egyptian temple. So there we go. I feel like there's going to be a few arguments here, especially over question number two, because we were at odds about why exactly the travel by boat. But Sam said, if you said by boat, you can get a point. So I'm going to claim a point for myself at least. Rob, are you going to claim a point? Of course, you know that I'll be taking a point. I'm absolutely furious that you also get a point given that I got exactly the right answer and you just said some sort of vague thing about them trying to save the planet or something. Some vague thing about trying to save the planet. Rob, come, you know, calm yourself down there. You don't make the rules, nor do I. Sam makes the rules and he was very well clear. I get the point, okay? We both get a point. But let's make it clear that I get a point, okay? Let's just make that clear. Do you want to challenge me on any of the other questions? Because you're an argumentative kind of guy. All right. Uh, Yeah, well, you're not getting any points for the castle, are you? But I'm getting a point there. What, the castle? What did you say? I said that you couldn't listen because there's no signal, which is absolutely bang on correct. Um... Thank you very much. So I'll take that one. (laughs) And then the third one, Temple of Debod. Unfortunately, not a strip club, which I don't think in hindsight was a very likely answer. So it's certainly not a nightclub in uh, a strip club in Madrid, but maybe you've got a you've got it pinned on your Google Maps in your hometown, Rob. Yes, maybe. <laughs> this is the Euro trip. So that's right. This is the Euro trip, and the one thing we forgot to mention there is I won. I mean. I forgot to mention it, James deliberately not mentioning that I won the European quiz once again. No comment. Anyway, it is time for part two of my chat with Eurovision winner Dave Benson. Now, we've already heard all about how the song came about, how he ended up representing Estonia. And incidentally, if you've enjoyed any of what you've heard so far from Dave or any of what you're about to hear, don't forget to tweet us. We are at Eurotrip podcast the song still very much stuck in my head but i mentioned earlier on that of course we are now in black history month which is october of 2020 so in a little while you're going to hear me talk to dave about being the first black performer to win the eurovision song contest but i started part two by asking how it was that he came to sing alongside 2xl and tanel padar when i heard the song and i started working on the song 
uh, uh, I told him, I said, no, um, nobody can sing it because the song is not written for one person. One has to stop, one has to start. Uh, the same person cannot stop and start because he's going to choke on his breath. See? So, so uh, we start working on that. And then he told me that, okay, I have my eyesight on this young young boy who just won the the the, the contest here and, and so and so i said okay let's let's bring him in let's see you know so um and and that was the whole thing i mean for them it was a a, a kind of a, what the hell is this guy doing you know he's talking all the time about winning the eurovision uh, um, we don't know um, yes, we know we're going to win it. That's why we're doing it. We're not going there to participate. We're going there to win it, you know. And it took me, it took me ages to convince them that that's how I'm thinking. And until we won it, of course. And then comes the question, how the hell did you know? No. Um, this is what we call the power of positive thinking. Got um, a couple of questions people have sent in on, on Twitter for you. So Marcos asks, was there a moment during either recording or rehearsing or performing, or was it the audience reaction? Was there a moment where you thought, actually, we are going to win? Uh, again, uh, um, for a lot of people, it will seems like this is unbelievable. But... I went to the Eurovision to win it, honestly. Cross my heart, hope to die by the great almighty God. I went to the Eurovision knowing I'm going to win this. How important was it? Because you've, you've got a couple of titles, one that you might want, one that you might not want. You're, you're the oldest winner of Eurovision. You're the first black person to win Eurovision. How does that feel for you? Is it is it special and is it really important for you to have done that? Um, it, it, no, it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, um, I'm the first one coming from the Caribbean to, to win a Eurovision. And, and I'm the first uh, um, non-residents of a country to win the Eurovision. You know, uh, um, in the in the 60th anniversary, uh, uh, the EBU invited me to London, and and the the presenter said he's a legend on himself, you know. And I go like, I I, I just participate. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I just participate. We've got another question um, from Twitter. Uh, so this is geeky underscore H asks, aside from winning, is there a Eurovision memory that you sort of have that's the fondest to you, whether it be the celebration afterwards, something that happened in the week leading up to the final? I don't know if you've got a memory that you sort of that stays with you. You know, you know, the, 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 the that stayed with me most of, of uh, the Eurovision 2001 was the the moment um, behind in, in the in the green room like they call it because it was pretty dark there was no color to be distinguished <laughs> but but th that moment that you 
that you watch the the scoring board, you know, and and being a mathematic freak, you go already that okay, we cannot lose anymore. This is it, guys. We did it. We did, you know. And and there was a, a, a Dutch journalist next to me, and he told me, "Young man," and I was the oldest guy there, you know. <laughs> Young man, you did it like you said you're going to do it. And that moment, start walking stage to repeat the song. That's that's unforgettable. That, that's unforgettable. The biggest ever arena we've had in Eurovision history. So that must have been an incredible place to perform. It 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 was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, I'm talking to you, I'm getting goosebumps, actually. <laughs> um, um, walking on stage, you know, and, and, and saying, are you ready? And you hear this crowd answering to you. You know, you go like, even if we don't win it, you know, you, 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 you made it. I've got one more question for you, and I can't let you go without uh, without asking it. Uh, on the podcast, uh, well, everyone often asks, I can imagine, what's your favourite Eurovision song? But we ask, what's your second favourite Eurovision song? What's my second favourite Eurovision <laughs> song? That's a good question. <laughs> I would say Ireland, Rock and Roll Kids. I would say that. Dave Benton there, finishing that wonderful conversation with Rob by telling us what his second favourite Eurovision song is of all time. He packed so much into that interview as well. Um, so much about you know the, the confidence he had uh, with the song um, going into the contest and the, you know the feelings he had when he was on stage in that enormous arena uh, in, in Denmark. That's the thing. 2001 was incredible because for those of you that don't know, the contest was held in a football stadium. Like It was just massive and, and no other Eurovision has really come close. So as you heard him say in that interview there, the idea of the bit at the start of the song where he shouts, come on, everybody, and everyone shouts back to him as well. It's just, oh, I can't even imagine what he must have felt on that stage. Yeah, us mere mortals just can't even imagine what it would be like to be up there. Uh, I just want to extend my thanks to to Dave for for joining us on on this week's podcast. It's a, it's an absolute privilege to to have all these big guests join us every week. Uh, but to have a Eurovision winner to join us on on our little, little podcast, it uh, it really means a lot. I'm really really pleased to to have had him this week. I mean, it was amazing, and I'm sure you feel the same thing, James. When you get to talk to all of these people and just get a little insight into their home life, like I spoke to Eurovision winner Dave Benton in his kitchen well at least I wasn't in his kitchen obviously you know we're not allowed to travel but anyway you know what I mean I saw into his kitchen in Estonia and oh my god it was it was just incredible so it is amazing to talk to all these people and incidentally if you have a question that you do want asking please do get in touch with us on Twitter we are at Eurotrip podcast and if we get another winner on we'll let you know you can ask your question who knows who it might be this is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. 
So we have almost reached the very end of this week's show, but you, of course, know this by now. We always end the show with the one second song. You have already heard the song. We played it for Anthony a little earlier on. I've got his guest right next to me here. But Rob, you have not heard it this time. And uh, let's remember the last time you did the one second song. It didn't really go well for you, did it? No, it didn't. We, we played the clip last week, so we don't need to play it again this week. Basically, I had the right answer in my head and just said the wrong answer. I got the right year. But yeah, safe to say that Love You Me Vida, Spain 2007, is now a song that just gives me PTSD. So probably we'll be scrolling past that when it, uh, it pops up on Spotify next time. Well, you mentioned there about giving the wrong answer. Maybe you will do it again this week. Who knows? But, uh, but for you listeners at home and Rob, you for the first time, here is this week's one second song. Oh my goodness. If I could show you what Rob looked like right now and what he was saying just a moment ago, you wouldn't believe because he's as confident as Anthony was earlier on. You seem to be struggling, Rob. It sounds like rather than send me a song, you've sent me something out of some sort of sound effects library. (laughs) That doesn't sound like the start of Eurovision song whatsoever. I promised you this is genuinely the first second of a Eurovision song. Let's take a listen to it again and see if it jogs your memory. James, it absolutely won't. I'm still convinced that you've uh, just chatted to your mate Dave the Clown and got him to do some sort of (laughs) sound for you and you're trying to say that it was a Eurovision song. Oh my goodness. I mean, any points I get on this are purely uh, guesses because I have no idea, but I am fascinated by hearing what the actual song was. Well, before we hear your answer, let me tell you that Anthony's guess, which we'll save for now, but I'll tell you, that man has got two points. As many as two points. That is impressive. I am going to say, I don't think it sounds like a song that is is recent. It doesn't sound like a recent Eurovision song to me. So I'm going to say, and all of these are complete guesses... So I end up doing a U and coming up with a song title as well, actually. Uh, we haven't heard from mm. the one-time onlys this week. How's their, uh, how's their album recording going? Yeah, I think there's a reason why they're called the one-time onlys, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Clue is in the name. No, you're right. Uh, for me, I'm going to say that this is from uh, 1987. It was by France. Their act was called Je suis à la Philippe. And the song was called Camembert Love. <laughs> I think you've probably done a disservice to whoever the French entry was back in, uh, back in 1987. Of course, that year, it was, uh, as I look at this, I'm not sure I'm going to read it out because my French is not up to scratch. Uh, shall I try and embarrass myself and read it out? I think you probably should. I don't think you've had any problems embarrassing yourself in previous weeks, so you may as well do it this week too. I'll read it out. You can translate it. It was Christine Minier with Les Mottes d'Amour n'ont pas de dimanche. Which, of course, James, translates as... The, the love I don't have on a Sunday... That I think like I'm close. Sort of, that sounds like the sort of song title that you would come up with. Well, anyway, let me just set the scene. You are miles off the mark. You say, you think I would really be so mean as to send you a song from the 1980s? I'm not going to do that, Rob. Um, let me tell you that uh, Anthony, earlier on, he said, I can't remember the artist's name, 
I want to say the song is called Twist of Love. The song is called Twist of Love. He also said, I think it's Denmark 2006. He is right. Let me fill in the blanks. The artist was Sidsel Ben Semane. Obviously, I remember the song because how can you forget when Denmark do country? Not two things that you'd put together, not a genre in a country that you would probably met. Honestly, let me put this on record. I'm really happy to say this. It did come in 18th place in the grand final. It only collected 26 points. But I'd say one of the best songs of the night in 2006. I think you may have gone out on a limb there and I'm not sure I'm going to agree with you. One of the best songs of 2006. You tell me three songs that are better than that from 2006. My favourite Eurovision song of all time, which was also in 2006, Alf Dansen by Norway. That's okay. uh, that's that's up there. Lordy, of course, that's better than that. Uh, Carola's uh, Swedish entry that year. Oh, okay, okay. You, okay, you can Brian stop Brian Kennedy, Island. That was better than that that year. There are so many, James. Come on. Just because you're a child, you forget that there were good songs before about 2015. <laughs> Another one of my favourite songs from 2006, of course, was LT United with We Are The Winners. Of course, it was the first song we ever had on the One Second Song. And speaking of LT United, maybe that's not the last we'll hear from them on the Eurotrip podcast. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? You'll have to stay tuned to find out. But unfortunately for this week, that is the end of episode 10 of the Eurotrip podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, James. You've already said it, but thank you very much to Dave Benton for joining us on this week's podcast. An absolute honour to have a Eurovision winner with us. And if you want to listen to any more of our big guest interviews, if you want to listen back to some of the ones we've done so far, you can do. Just go on your favourite podcast app, listen to all of the episodes we've done so far. You've got nine others to choose from, so plenty of other great interviews and guests there as well. As Rob says, a big thanks to Dave for joining us. If you've got any comments about the interview, if you've got anything to say about all of the podcasts we've done so far, then don't forget to tweet us. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter. And as Rob says, make sure you listen back to all the other ones we've done. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. Thank you very much for listening. Unfortunately, this week, there is no Mr. Mouse to say goodbye. Terry Wogan might say goodbye at the very end. We'll find out. Uh, from me, Rob, I'm saying goodbye. And from me, James, goodbye. And from me, Sir Terry Walken, a goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.